0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Donkeys Garage for episode 28 of season 2. This was COTA, the Circuit of the Americas, Austin, Texas, the USA. We are on to the last four races, remaining races of this season, season 23. And it's a, as I said in the previous episode, it's a part of the season where you're on your last leg before the end of the season. Everything is starting to, to, to kind of crumble. All your parts of the car are starting to, 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 to wear off. They are suffering from, from too many hours of service. They 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 start to to show some 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 degradation, some, some limitation in what they are able to perform at this point. And this is natural, this is a risk, this is a, a, a natural part of the sport You've got a lot of races at the end of the season you, you're, you, you've, We've gone up from, from 16 to 20 to 22 to 23 And they're are, there are even thinking about adding um, you've, some, some of the discussions were, were, were on, on the, the vicinity of 25 races even going above that And you see that the cars actually do a struggle Overall with with keeping up, over the last years I would say that the reliability of these cars has improved tremendously if you compare them to to, to 20 to 30 years ago where cars would would barely make two races, one another, uh, followed races and at this point they're able to to really make a whole season change of core parts you've got three engines you've got then the 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 electric unit that you can change you can change the um kinetic um mgs system the H and mguk that you can change all these parts which are very sensible they're very very susceptible to to break it's still you can change them the gearbox but still you're very limited in what you're able to do and the engine of course they are very very reliable but still you're you're putting them to to perform under the most most harsh conditions and on the on the ultimate really um the ultimate performance and as you could see during the car tire race back back uh, last week yeah, two weeks ago excuse me you do see that the, the conditions in which these cars operate are extreme, not only of the of the wear in terms of mechanical mechanically but also because of the conditions of heat and and really the, the, the different uh, the heights which of course, Changes Mexico will next week will be at uh, well, actually, at the end of this week, will, will be at a, at a substantially high altitude, which means that air, th- air is thinner, which means that the car actually works in a different way. The, the actual engine perform less than it should, than as it would be performing should it be at, at uh, sea level. So, all this is something to take into consideration. And I think this circuit of the Americas is particularly harsh on cars. We saw all the weekend through how cars were actually shaking as as they they went around this track. It's very bumpy, extremely bumpy, and it's very very harsh on the cars. I know that dry riders in MotoGP did complain about how uncomfortable, how unsafe it had become because essentially you're shaking inside the cars uh, or when you're riding the bike and it gets to a point where it becomes unsafe and also because of the design of, the, of, the, of the, the layout of the track you actually go over the curves very aggressively and sometimes because you do these repeatedly over lap over lap you end up actually breaking parts because because of how aggressive you have to go over these curves over these this track, and, and you actually break parts of the car which, which are either be the, the, the underfloor or you be the suspension. I mean, I say, as I say, it's very, very difficult and very aggressive on, on, on the car itself. So, this is the first thing I wanted to mention before going any, any further. So, that when, when you think about what has happened during the weekend, you really have to think that, that the cars that actually make it to Sunday night they 've actually been tortured to death and, and they, they they do they do deserve a standing ovation for that and as we saw, the result of these harsh conditions sometimes is that the wear that the cars will will endure through the weekend is that the some of the of the of, of parts of the car will have eroded substantially to the point that they become They become illegal from from a, a regulations point of view, and this was the case for Lewis Hamilton and Leclerc on uh, Sunday night. They 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 checked the car on the floor, and they realized that the wooden piece of of, 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 of the, the the piece of wood that is actually placed beneath the car, which is supposed to to really prevent the car from actually Creating a vacuum with the floor was too routed. These, to make it simple, is that is is a consequence of how the cars actually do work. So you have this lower part of the car, which we we tend to to call it the the underfloor, the floor with the diffuser. And so traditionally, up until the nineties, these floor was intended to create a vacuum between the racetrack itself and the car but if you create this vacuum there is a point where the car no longer has any air to breathe and actually creates the opposite It is it goes from being a vacuum and, and actually uh, having a suction effect to the point where it loses all ability, it loses all pressure, and the car is no longer being sucked to the ground, but then it's actually, so to speak, floating. The consequence of this is quite unwanted because you lose aero performance, you lose downforce. Back in the 90s, 90s, there was Perhaps a period in in F1 history where things were taken to the extreme. Engineering was, was I think the the height back then in terms of what was installed in the cars, and especially there was one team which was the epitome of these of this technology. And this was Williams. They they delivered cars in the 1990s that were I think years ahead of their times, with the electronics suspensions that the famous camel-sponsored car with which Mansell, with which Alain Prost were so successful. These cars, they, 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 they were so mechanically advanced, so engineeringly advanced, so electronically advanced also cars that, that came later in 1996, they were very advanced and particularly there was one car which perhaps was not the greatest car in history or at least it didn't go down in history as, 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 these, as, 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 as the sister cars did as uh, really the 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 epitome of, of engineering and was the the fw 14 i dare to say 16 with which Ayrton Senna had the accident in the first may 1996 in tamborello in italy and following the accident of Nigel mansell there was an increased Pressured to, to to really incorporate safety measures in these cars they were incredibly powerful there was no doubt about that they were overly powerful perhaps they had engines, V10 engines, V12 engines that would produce an insane amount of speed they were not as efficient as today's cars because at the end of the day they were producing a thousand horsepower with V12s, whereas nowadays they're producing about a hundred with just V6. But they were absolute beasts. But being absolute beast meant that the risk was very high. And a lot of drivers, because safety rates measures back in the days were, were, were substantially lesser they lost their lives. And as a result of these, they, they did incorporate this wooden piece beneath the car that was there to prevent the car from actually creating this suction eff- effect to the point that the car would actually touch the floor. When this was incorporated, they actually defined that, this, that the, the pi- piece of wood should be so thick at the end of the race so the car during the race it will it will erode as it goes around the track over and over it will erode the piece of wood and if you start let's say with it with a with a thickness of, of 20 millimeters by the end of the race it's very likely that because you go over curves because you you go down the straights and the car actually does such an event, it will get, bit by bit, eroded perhaps from 20 millimeters, as I said in the example, to perhaps 10 millimeters. And the regulation is fine with that. The regulation says you have to have this minimum amount of thickness by the end of the race. However, you cannot go below this, 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 this thickness in order to, to really prevent, as I say, the car creating this suction event to an abusive point, a point where it could get dangerous. There is, of course, a temptation to infringe the rules. It is Formula 1 at the end of the day And it is a game where you have to take risks and where you have to play the regulation you have to really interpret it in a way which is on the limit you are touching the limits you are really really over it but you're not actually going across the limits and I, I do believe that this exercise of being on the limit without infringing the limits is a very difficult one. It's a very difficult one because the difference between having a height in the car, so the, the height in which your car is, is actually planted on, on, on the road, between 10 millimeters and 10.5 you might think that is absolutely irrelevant. Who cares about zero point zero five? I mean, it doesn't really make a difference. You would barely know, I mean, you wouldn't notice it at all if your car was, was your street car was raised by twenty millimeters. I mean, you would, of course, you would. You would perhaps say it. You might feel that. On bands it does actually twist a bit more, roll a bit more. But if you take a lesser extreme example, and you raise your car just by 5 millimeters, you wouldn't notice. I wouldn't. And I bet you wouldn't either. So if I were to tell you I am raising the car but just 0.05, you would say, well... That, that doesn't really make a difference I mean you could probably raise that by over-inflating the tyres and you wouldn't notice if you have a bit more height or not the fact is that in Formula 1 quite contrary every millimetre actually does matter it does change the result it does change the performance it does change the balance of the car of course and all these translate into faster lap times and faster lap times if you multiply that by 60 laps well it's very simple it is the difference between being p10 to being p2 now in terms that that we can actually understand it these 2023 cars they are designed around one simple idea, which is suction. The amount of downforce that they generate is not so much over what goes above, but what goes beneath. It is as simple as that, if you want to really minimize it to to one sentence. You have the front wing, you have the rear wing, and then you have the batch boards, which flow channel the air beneath the car, there is a whole lot of bits of carbon that channel air one way or another through what is called Venturi channels. And this area which is beneath the car, that actually has a bit of a, the shape of a, of a water drop, if you want, hexagon, if you want to simplify it. But more like a water drop, rather. Yeah. It actually creates a difference of pressure between high and low pressure, which, as I say, generates stand force. The higher you are, so the higher the car is actually standing on the road, you have one little issue, which is that the car is going, imagine it's going forward, blah, blah, blah. You've got air coming from from, from, from ahead and some of it goes beneath. You try to really increase the amount of air that goes beneath. That's why you've got these very, very open, like, mouths, which are now located right, almost behind the wheel. Which are like two big mouths, are, are there trying to catch as much air as, as, as it can. And actually, the design of the front wing, this year, is compromised between the amount of downforce that you generate on the front axle, and how much air you actually dissipate from the underfloor, so you don't want to actually have too much air going above, so pushing it upwards, because you are actually losing as a consequence of it air that goes to the underfloor. So this underfloor area, which if if you actually do look at a picture of the of the of the Williams, uh, for instance, compared to the the Red Bull. The Red Bull has these massive massive mouths as I say that catch air and pull it beneath the car. There was a bit of of a Scottish accent there but okay so you've got all these air going beneath but the issue is how do you keep it from escaping? That's the issue. You're going so fast and we know that fluids have a tendency To attach to surfaces. So the air doesn't actually like to just wander around. When when it's channeled through a mass. Through a surface. It will actually kind of follow the the shape of the mass of 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 your object. And will stick to it. Which is beautiful. I don't know if you've seen this classic example from from engineering, which is where you put a piece of wood and a nice little candle behind the piece of wood. And now you stand in front of your piece of wood, a square piece of wood, rectangular if you like, and you blow on it. If you blow this square shape piece of wood it will throw the air outwards without much sense to it. The candle which is lit behind it will not be affected by the air because it won't actually be able to really attached to the surfaces of the piece of wood that I have placed. Quite an issue. Because in engineering, in Formula 1, we do like to, to be aerodynamically efficient. So, we take another example. How do we solve this issue? You want air which is coming from ahead to pass as smoothly as possible to point B. So effectively, where the candle is located behind. So now this time you take a glass of, of, of a, a old bottle of wine, an empty one, or a full one if you like. It doesn't really ma- matter for the, for, this, for, this, for the purpose of this exercise. But your, perhaps your mother or father is, is more or your boyfriend, or girlfriend, or whoever is at home, they're more inclined to let you play engineering with the empty bottle. So, you place your nice bottle of wine. Actually, an empty one is more appropriate for this exercise because if it's empty, you can see through. And, as I will demonstrate in a second, you do actually want to see through. You are. It will be nicer if you actually see through. So you take this beautiful, nice bottle of Spanish wine. Make it Spanish; it will always be better. You put this nice bottle of wine, and you lit a candle once again behind it. Let us bear in mind that the bottle of wine is actually cylindrical. It's. It's a cylinder. It's it's rounded by by nature, by definition. It's more or less aerodynamically efficient. So now we're going to do the same exercise. We put the bottle of wine, we put the candle behind, we lit it and we blow on the bottle. And this time we will notice that with our stroke of breath with our just little blow that we've operated from our to our bottle of wine we will be able to extinguish the candle isn't that magic well it is actually not magic it is actually explained by physics which as I said earlier air likes to attach to surfaces and because the surface of the bottle of wine is round, is shape, it's relatively aerodynamic it allows for the air to stay attached to the walls of the, of, of the bottle of wine to travel around it, attached to it and then emerge on the other side and continue its path and as it continues its path it will actually be able to well to reach the candle and, and dissipate it the, to blow the candle so as simple as that so going back now to Formula 1 Essentially, what the Mercedes team and the Ferrari team did on these two cars, Leclerc and Hamilton, is that they lowered the cars too much because they were trying to maximize the amount of suction that goes around the venturi channels beneath the car. And there was one issue which I haven't yet explained, which is Why does it really make a difference if your car is higher or lower? If the air, or the important area, is how much air can you breathe into the inventory channels? Well, the explanation to that, the reason to that, is that ultimately, the higher you raise your car, the more air is actually being dissipated, is actually being pushed to the side of the car. Is actually being lost from beneath and going away. In a way, from a point of view, some of the design flaws will actually do that. They will take a lot of air from the front part of the car and sometimes they will release some of the excess air that is actually being not... I mean, everything is efficient, but... For, for very strategic reasons, they will let some air actually go to the sides of the car. But the lower your car is, the more air you are able to compress on the underfloor. And really, by compressing it, you're creating areas of low and high pressure that when they actually do meet, they accelerate and they create Downforce, which is the ultimate, ultimate goal in Formula 1. More downforce means you can go faster around a corner. And in Formula 1, it's not so much about the top speed that you can reach at the end of the straight, unless you're Aston Martin, but it's how efficient you can go around a corner. And that is the whole purpose of, of Formula 1 in europe we tend to joke about the difference between american racing and european racing european racing is about corners it's about going fast around a corner over and over again brad hatch monaco tell me i mean you, all the european tracks they are about twisty bendy difficult corners american tracks however they are more about big straights and relatively gentle corners. That is the difference between the two continents. Yes, the American car, big muscle, is not so comfortable around corners. The Indy cars, they are not so well prepared for for bended corners. They are not so area efficient. Formula One, well, they are the opposite. They are very, very comfortable around bended corners. That is the long story short. Now, with this big introduction which is very pointless because it doesn't really tell you what actually happened, I can now go to what happened during the weekend. Which, if you allow me, was not that interesting. I do know that there are some dissenting opinions. I've heard people comment say that it was a very interesting race, that it was very exciting to me the weekend was was alright perhaps because my drivers did not perform as i had hoped but i mean perhaps 4 hours later the result did improve somehow so the spring qualifying for the for the qu- spring qualifying max what a surprise qualified first followed by the clerk hamilton norris piastri paris qualifying seventh not so good again Alvin eighth Gasly ninth Ricciardo Russell and Alonso Alonso B12 I have to make a stop here and say that whoa Aston Martin had a difficult weekend that to say the least there was three four teams that brought upgrades to to Cota Which is quite surprising, because at this point of the season, as I said right at the beginning, your resources are starting to be limited, your cars are fatigued, everything started to crumble, it's the end of the season, only three, four four races left. And you will wonder, I mean, the championship is already won. Does it really matter who comes second? I mean, Senna said that the second at the end of the day is, at best, the first of the losers. Does it really make sense to keep wasting money, so to speak? Well, it does. First of all, because all the efforts that you put in this year will be a carryover to next year. And then at the end of the day, it's also a matter of, right? You are in Formula 1 to, to perform. And, well, no team goes, goes to a season and says, oh, sorry, 19, 19 races, the championship is won, let's go home. No no need to, to, to bother anymore. Well, I mean, no, it's a bit more, more delicate than that. You do actually fight till the last race. But, of course, there is the question of when do you switch to the following year's development? Because it's essential. The later you start with the following year's car, the more likely you are to, well, have some some delays, if you like to put it very lightly, have some delays in the development and then carry them through the season, through the following season. So, Mercedes brought a new underflow which worked to to perfection, fabulously. Aston Martin, on the other hand, they brought a new underflow patchboards. But it was bad news, very bad news. They had an awful FP1, well, a very short FP1, and then they were literally thrown to qualifying to the sharks to a tank full of sharks on Friday and well I mean if you go almost blindsided to qualifying well you can't do much I mean you're literally your 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 eyes are uh, yeah blind you yeah they're covered I mean you can't see possibly what's what's what the numbers are telling you, I mean, you, have, you have to do the setup and you can't really see what the numbers, the figures are telling you. So at the end of the day, you, you, you go to your, your qualifying session and you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't know your balance of the car and you, you throw the drivers out there. And the consequence of that is that, well, P17 and P19. For the spring qualifying, P12 seems to be a good result compared to the qualifying on Friday. But again, insufficient has did bring some updates they actually sort of followed the design of the Ferrari once again. Um, Sherlock would would probably infuse some, some reason and tell you why I dare to say that that's because Has is a mini Ferrari, but perhaps that is not a very popular opinion to have. Oh, it's a it's a small Ferrari, but it doesn't work like a Ferrari. We must we must make that clear. A Ferrari is always a Ferrari. A Haas it's well, it's the American Muscle. Um, yeah. So Aston Martin, a big disappointment. Mercedes. A very good result. So for the spring, sp- spring, sprint race, Max won it. What a surprise. With Lewis Leclerc, Paris signs Gasly in sixth. Then it was, um, who was it? Gasly, Russell, Alban, Piastri, Ocon and Ricciardo. Well, yeah. I mean, not much to say. Max, well, what a surprise! They did not have the best weekend. Let's be clear about that. It was not a smooth ride as as it's usually. Some some braking um, brake issues, which actually were shared by by Aston Martin. They did have, suffer from 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 brake cooling, which probably was due to the very high temperatures or unusually high temperatures in Kota we're still having 35 degrees 36 track temperature really high um, and issues with the cooling so at the end of the day you do have these these issues which were perhaps unexpected and and you have to remember that drivers we do we do actually rely a lot on on your braking the braking at the end of the day is is the most essential part of, of, of racing accelerating or, or anyone can do that i mean putting putting floor da- um, the pedal down in the accelerator is no it's not that difficult the only tricky part to it is is being smooth but you can relatively feel that uh, especially in dry conditions you can you can you can kind of get that easily or relatively easily rather but the braking that is that is the issue i mean how do you learn to break. well that's a technique that's a whole lot technique in go-karting you do you you do get that and i think it's this the is the is the part where you you learn the basics as as always in go-karting and then you you move upwards if you have a streetcar you can remove the ESP you can bre- remove the the stability control the ABS you can remove some some of the assists and if you remove ABS which is the braking system which prevents the, 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 the brakes from, from locking the tires and the stability system which is the ESP if you remove those two which in most modern cars you are now have, have, a, have an unfortunate tendency to, to not to allow you to to disconnect these two mechanisms, these two assistance mechanism. If you do that, you will actually notice that that the brake pedal is actually difficult to, to feel. It's not something so so smooth, so so that you feel so much as you would expect. I mean, if you brake in a go kart, you have a the pedal actually has some 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 distance, which in which you you apply pressure essentially. So you apply pressure to the to the brake pedal, and as, as you go down, so you push the pistons in the calipers go against move the the braking pads against the disc, and they these will generate. Stopping power. If you like, there is this tendency that if you brake really, really hard, bring the car to stop or to to maximum slowdown, you turn the car and then accelerate. Well, you're going to be faster than everyone else. The reality is that you do not actually brake the car, the go-karting, the bike, just by applying massive pressure to the brake pedal and then suddenly releasing it. You actually do more of a trail brake, which is that you measure the pressure applied to the brake pedal so that you can brake later, but you're actually braking full. Longer into the corner, around the corner, and then you accelerate smoothly out. And you're faster. It's a technique, but for this you have to have a lot of lot of feeling with the brake. If you do not feel the brakes, you can't actually tell if you're braking too much or you're braking too little. To add a layer of complication. In go-kart, the disc is metal so the brake pads apply pressure to the piece of metal and as a result of this pressure it warms up easily enough now brake discs in formula one they're a bit more sophisticated and they are carbon fiber carbon fiber discs have one upside and one downside compared to metal piece uh, counterparts. Which is that they are absolute rubbish in cold conditions. They won't generate much breaking power. But they are extremely efficient. And they can sustain a lot of high pressure, a lot of high temperatures which is the ideal conditions, if you're doing racing. Every time you apply pressure on the brakes, they warm up. And if you've seen, for instance, Le Mans, they do, the brakes, reach insane temperatures, about a thousand degrees. Lap after lap, lap after lap, lap after lap. And in Le Mans, it's for 24 hours. Formula One, admittedly, is just for over two hours. But ultimately, those parts are, are under very harsh conditions. The, the these gener, this generated heat, which is then located on the brake pads on the brake disc, you need to, to essentially cool it down, which is why you have air ducts in the located around the tires in order to flow air into the brake disc and cool it down simple enough when it's too hot the air temperature won't be enough to cool down the brake disc so you have to have higher brakes brake ducts so that you get more air and you can cool a bit more your brakes when the brakes get too warm then is where the strategy begins is that you lose all touch all feeling with your brakes the pedal instead of having so much distance when you brake, you feel that it's actually like like softy you push and and you have no feeling it goes all the way down i mean you you, it's it's like if you you if you lose your brakes it goes the pedal goes all the way down what happens when it goes all the way down you don't know where you are so you're braking your foot is all the way through but you're, you're not stopping because you, you've got so much heat in, you, in your brake disc that the, the pads are not actually stopping the disc itself they actually keep rotating they actually are just um, how to say it uh, yeah, um, sliding over somehow so, not, not something you want to have and this is an issue that Verstappen had, that Aston Martin had, some other teams had uh, which was to do with the amount of air that was being sucked into the air ducts to cool the front disc tyres especially but also of course the rear tyres, the rear, tires, the, the rear uh, brakes So with that said, yeah, good result for Max in spite of the, the issues in, in the spring race but especially during the the race, which was really something that, that he complained about, and you could hear him over the radio tell his engineer, "I've got some some brake issues." And then he got to a point where he was getting a bit too 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 loud with his engineer, losing his patience. So Max first, Lewis second. An amazing weekend by Lewis. I mean, absolutely fabulous. He he did a, a perfect start on, on the on the sprint race and then a, a perfect race overall for in the, on, on Sunday, he started aggressively, he kept a, a perfect almost, almost uh, approach to the weekend just with one, to, to Sunday with just one exception where, where it was not him but rather the team that did not perhaps get the best, best strategy and as a result he 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 may have lost the victory, quite unfortunate to be honest. But um, anyways, just absolutely wonderful. Norris McLaren uh, Piastri was was was. I mean he had a he had a, an unfortunate ex- uh, incident with with Ocon at the start of the race. Piastri where, where they collided and as a result both actually had to retire. One with loss of fuel fluid. Um, Kiastra was was losing fluid and uh, not exactly um, probably uh, from from the radiator. I, I would imagine, and Ocken had some substantial loss to of of due to to damage to the to the underfloor. Quite unfortunate for both of them, especially because I mean there was some potential, especially for Alpin. They were looking quite sharp, running sixth, seventh easily all through the weekend, having having some pace, probably being the best of the rest after. After uh, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, and now McLaren, with the with the top eight now being more more or less running in in that in that order, and then changing as 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 the different weekend goes. Then um, good result also by Sainz, who's had a very very good weekend, but not too much overstated. Nobody seemed to to pay much attention to him, but he's been solid. All through the weekend, uh, staying on on top four, top five, all through through the weekend, quite quite good result, and then ultimately gaining that P three because of of Lewis' uh, disqualification on on Sunday. Paris good, he came fifth on Sunday, followed by Leclerc, which of course uh, is, is, is 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 disqualified, also so he lost the P six. But uh, I mean Paris good but, but you would imagine that he's still far away from, from the performance he should be having when you're running a Red Bull. Rumors are starting to, to get louder about his, his future. Some rumors have been quite ill saying that he might announce his retirement in Mexico. We'll see the truth about that in just uh, four days. I hope not. I think he's got more to deliver than that but as he did actually point out and I, and, I, and I insist on these, the development of the car was was, was was all the way against his his driving style, which has hindered his ability to to have confidence on the car and has forced him really to 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 take a step back it 's been developed for Verstappen once again, not a surprise to the detriment of paris and these according to him, explains the the loss in performance compared to the first part of the season. With Leclerc having a poor strategy on Sunday, they tried the one-stop, which, I mean, on a track that is so aggressive on the tyres, where erosion, where where degradation is very high, it's, it's a very difficult, a very risky bet to have, again, Formula One is about risky bets, but Ferrari seems to be always betting on the most difficult chip of them all. Um, they had these these bets which I mean evidently came to to, to everyone I that was the wrong one. They suggested that they could do plan A, Plan B, Plan C, Plan D, Plan E, Plan F, Plan Z. And by lap 50 they were like, oh, would you like to come in and switch for tires for a new set of tires? And Leclerc was, well, I'm running P6. If I pit now, I might as well be last. So no, I can't pit now. I have to commit to the strategy I have. And essentially, he had to, to allow signs to go by, team orders. He was not so compliant. And then Paris got the better of him also. That's how it is. Um, Leclerc had a bit of, of difficulty Accepting, once again, the team order. He did mention at the end of the race that he had to have a talk with his team. Not sure why. Because, I mean, what's the point of discussing something that is so evidently? I don't know. Russell, uh, I mean, Sunday was not his best race. It seems that Colt is not exactly track that. he really kind of kind of suits him at the end of the day. Last year he had an incident where he decided to, oh, I mean, catapult himself against signs. He bumped him and destroyed the Ferrari. It was like a missile thrown to, 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 to the Ferrari. He was just a torpedo. I mean, he was Mr. Torpedo, poof, off I go. This year, he, he comes from, from Qatar after a difficult race where of course some talks will have taken place between Mercedes, Lewis, Russell Lewis took the blame, okay, but I'm sure they told Russell you also have to just lower it a bit, a term. we need results, we don't need heroes and well, f- for whatever reason it is, Russell was not shining compared to Lewis. Lewis was just the star of the weekend. he he was coming from from behind with a f, uh, with a W14 that has been suffering, especially during the first part of the season. And it seems that is now on this upward trend, which is which is where well, it's far better, feeling far far more more efficient, really good for them. Russell. It was more his driving style. The performance in the car seemed to be there. So if, if Lewis had it, I would be most, most certain that he had it too. But he was just a bit rough around the edges. Especially there were some overtakes on the outside that I do wonder where he got that from. Um, especially around and on sector 3 when you're just about to head to the double right-hander. You have these section of twisty bends, zigzags, where you, you come from the back straight, you turn left, then right, then left. And on that lefty, which admittedly you come from a section where you've turned left, right, left, and left again, and then you, you follow by a righty, righty. But on this section, your front eyes are overheated. You had a big breaking point at the end of the straight then you you turn again you have your your uh, front left tire that overheats front right tire that overheats front left tire again because it's almost double apex bend so yeah it's, it's you 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 arrive with a car that is shaky that is not hasn't got that much grip but still i mean one thing is to overtake a car and on the outside, when you are side by side, yes, and the other driver admittedly pushes you over to, to force you on the dirty side of the track, on, on the outside of the track. Yes, I mean, it happens. It's the same very often at the end of the back straight, where you turn left, It's a, it's a bit downhill. You've got these sort of overheating front axle, and, yeah, you can be a bit candid on your, on, on the way you approach the the off area. You can push your, your driver. You, you just overtook a bit over the, the round-off area. Yes. But Russell had an issue with, with, with this section where he was overtaking people, where he was right behind them, went on the outside and overtook. And he was like, oh, he pushed me out. But he didn't. I mean, let me be clear about that. The FIA confirmed it. He got a five-second penalty because, I mean, for God's sake, he was on the outside overtaking just simply as that. He was not being pushed off. He was just plainly overtaking by using the outside of the track. Track limits, a big issue during the whole weekend. They, They had this discussion because, I mean, once again, it's a track which doesn't penalize track limits exceeding track limits rather the opposite it actually rewards track limits it rewards track limits and as a result drivers are not stupid and they take advantage of that what a surprise i have a very simple solution to all that put gravel put grass drivers won't get anywhere near that popular no Unsuitable for race for, for, for motor uh, motorbikes, yes, for Formula One, perfect. That's what I say. That's my opinion. Then you had Gusly and Stroll, followed by Zenoda, Alban and Sargent. Two honorable mentions, Stroll. Very good weekend. For the first time he seemed to be comfortable. For the first time he seemed to be there i mean just he was he, it looked like he he had control over the car he was not overly ambitious he was not not doing things that were out of of of, of, of a reasonable man's senses he didn't overdrive he was just i think calmer than usual mm, this might be because alonso was also struggling so perhaps the there was not so much the pressure of comparing a I don't know, P3 for Alonso and a P17 for him where, where all the eyes are actually on him to asking him why are you dead last and your teammate is actually P3, P4, P5, whatever. So he looked like he was a bit more, more calm in that sense. Also, there was the issue, the ultimate issue that Aston Martin had all through the weekend which was that one car, I mean, the upgrades did not work they did not work to the point that they decided to use the whole weekend as a test run especially looking ahead for for mexico to see what what they, the what the setup would be like and to see where where they, where they could improve or where they should improve and they decided to run Alonso on the old spec whereas straw was running the the, the new spec it turns out Alonso was much more comfortable on the old spec, and in spite of starting 17, he had a very, very good race, being very competitive, running p7 p6 all through the race until his car gave up and he had some floor damage which forced him to retire quite unfortunate because I mean I think it was it was it was a, a testament to to overcoming a very substantial Challenging situation. They had a very difficult start to the weekend and they they progressed calmly They were they put their head down and they managed to bring on some to Sunday a setup with which was relatively Competitive I mean they you could see that they were they were there the car was looked very shaky Really bumpy was it was kind of going all over the place, but but Alonso made it work. And Stroll on his side, he was able to, to make the new spec work relatively good. And this was rewarded on, on Stroll's side by, by finishing P9, which at the end of the day is actually P7 because of the disqualification. So good result for these two guys. One actually did get the results in terms of points and Alonso, I think, got the result in terms of feelings, how they, they go away knowing that they i think they did gain some understanding of what the situation was like and then the last honorable mention was sergeant i mean the american driver racing at home very difficult season for him he's been all over the place a lot of accidents crashing almost at every 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 race track then on Qatar, he had to concede to his physical limits and retire after exhaustion. I bet that this was psychologically difficult to his, see his, his peers finish the race, admittedly in very bad conditions and very exhausted, but but he himself couldn't. And then he was able to finish P-10 in in Kota in the Circuit of the Americas, at home, which was which represent the first points in his career and I'm sure that that do actually give him and and really solidify perhaps materialize some confidence in him for for the rest of the season he's got another race at home Las Vegas he's got Mexico track which he doesn't know Um, Brazil challenging difficult and Abu Dhabi he 's got four laces, four races left to prove himself be worthy of an f1 seat. with that said, i don't have much more to say. i think i mean this has been a lengthy episode because i've 've actually enjoyed mentioning some technical aspects of Formula One, which i mean i think as as many people share, Formula One is about technology is about engineering is about the, the pinnacle of the sport in terms of of, of of development of research and development and it's always nice and I think anyone who is re- relatively interested in, in in Formula One will also be attracted by the engineering side by the mechanical side of it and as as many of you know I do I do uh, do um, practice go karting uh, nowadays as as an amateur as a non professional driver but I I do remain very much attracted very much interested by all the, the mechanics that are involved in, in go-karting and, and of course in, in formula one to, to a lesser extent although i am of course a layman because i am not an engineer or anywhere near i have no from uh technical understanding about this it's just what, what i try to grasp from from reading articles here and there and I mean people like Scarby who who do publish quite a lot of, of videos on YouTube or or Drive61 who explain a lot of stuff about engineering and it really I do I do think that help you understand Formula One in a more in a more deep deep manner. So with that said, now the question of the donkeys award. I haven't done that last week, I haven't done it I think a couple of, of, of times. And it's something that, that, I mean, it's not always something that, that is recurring, that, that is there. I mean, sometimes there isn't someone, so there is no reason really to, to, to award a donkey's award. Let me clarify that. This weekend, I saw that Autosport, they, they, they rated Hulkenberg as the worst driver of the weekend. Two out of ten. I'm not sure if this is a fair, fair, fair... Representation of the weekend for 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 Hulkenberg, they had a a relatively mild weekend. Uh, difficult again with with bringing updates and and bring them bringing them to a to a weekend where you don't actually have time to understand them. You don't have free practice to test them. So difficult on that side. Same situation happened to Aston Martin, except uh, if you compare them or if you compare them to. Mercedes, who were luckily enough able to 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 fit the underfloor and make it work on the first go, I don't have anyone in particular that I would like to to really point with 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 my finger and say you've been donkey. I think overall they they've been quite outstanding, all of them. So I think I'm going to just stay on 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 my. On this on this statement and, and no, not award a donkey's award. I will do mention that Ferrari continued to have some issues with strategy A B C D E F which doesn't really sound very good on TV and the drivers don't seem to appreciate very much especially when you're 50 laps in and they ask you hey guy hey Leclerc what should we do? It feels like well guys you should know not me I'm, i am the driver i'm not the engineer i'm not the guy who who should be making decisions at the end of the day yes the driver is the only one who is at the end of the day behind the steering and really knows how the times feel how how the race is going but for god's sake one thing is to listen to his comment when for instance he might say i can stand it for five more laps as they did ask lewis and russell or with regards to their ties and another very difficult call is to ask them, for God's sake, what what do we do with stretch? I mean that is a question that is just not suitable during race conditions where you've got to be concentrated in racing, not crushing. And, and yeah, it's it's just not acceptable. And then the team orders they seem to have some 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 difficulty controlling egos and i point my finger to the clerk with that said thank you very much for listening thank you very much as always for 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 tuning in for for following the 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 channel and i will i will as always suggest that you share it if you like it that you comment it and that you you tune for more thank you very much and have a good evening